In the summer of 1877, John Muir set out from the irrigated fields of Pasadena, California, where acres of orange trees had recently been planted, on a long and solitary hike. He followed Eaton Creek upstream toward what he called a little poem of wildness, high in the looming San Gabriel Mountains, along a trail shaded by native oaks and bordered by thick chaparral, covering the hillsides like prickly fir. In his pack, he carried three freshly baked loaves of bread and a bottle of water, his usual sustenance on the trail. Although nearly forty years old, he was still relatively unknown to the world. It would be a decade or two before he became celebrated as the nation's most ardent lover of wild places. The founding president of the Sierra Club, and the author of popular articles and books on the mountains of California and the national parks. It would be another century before historians looked to him as the greatest forerunner of modern environmentalism, a powerful influence on people far beyond the West Coast and even beyond America's shores. In 1877, Muir was only an obscure figure, a joyful but unprepossessing hiker into the back country. As he followed the trail up Eaton Canyon, he came upon a strange dark man of doubtful parentage, who had built a cabin in a streamside meadow. All my conjectures as to his nationality failed, Muir wrote, and no wonder, since his father was Irish and his mother Spanish, a mixture not often met even in California. Because night was approaching, the stranger invited Muir to share a meal and bed down at his campfire, and the two men fell into a conversation that lasted for hours. That was vintage Muir. Throughout his life he liked to gab only a little less than he liked to hike. Wherever he went, he started a conversation, and typically it went on and on, Muir doing most of the talking. Those who knew him well thought he was the most engaging talker they ever knew. Certainly he was the most egalitarian. He talked with everyone he met, from white Anglo farmers, ministers, gold miners, politicians, and bankers, to former African-American slaves, women of all ages, hordes of children, and a canoe full of tlingits paddling along the Alaskan coast. Mostly they talked, and talked passionately, about nature. So it was with this solitary stranger he met in the foothills. As they sat in the darkening canyon, his host described his dream of creating a vineyard and harvesting honey here in this fertile, beautiful spot. Born in Mexico, he had rambled a great deal, doing a bit of hunting, prospecting, and mining, but was now ready to settle here in his own poem of wildness to make money and marry a Spanish woman. Muir was touched by the man's dream, and sensed in his fellow camper a shared passion for America's mountains, forests, tumbling streams, and fields of wildflowers filled with feeding bees. That passion for nature can still draw people together across differences of ethnicity, as it did Muir and his dark-skinned friend. On any sunny weekend, they may find themselves walking together up a canyon, watching quail run across the path, sniffing the tang of sagebrush and looking for stars above the urban haze. For all their differences, nature provides walkers of every sort a common thrill of adventure, a flash of wildness that binds them together. In his autobiographical My Boyhood and Youth, 
Muir claimed that his passion for nature derived from a natural inherited wildness in our blood. Although he was writing in 1913, still early days in the science of genetics and evolutionary psychology, he was arguing in genetic terms that everyone is born with an inner bond to nature, drawing us away from civilization, an impulse over which we have little rational control.